0: Ghoul gals back in the saddle. Ghoul <laughs> cool gals. Two ghoul two gals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Oh, here we go. All right. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Ghoul Gals, the podcast that brings you the possibly true stories of weird little creatures and
0: unearthly happenings. Each episode revolves around a different theme. So play a game with us and try to guess that theme before the end of the episode. You can help keep the podcast going by supporting us on Patreon. I'm Cassandra. And I'm
1: Julie. And here we go. <laughs> Alright, so today, this is probably my favorite story in Ghoul Gals history. Oh, wow. I know. We've covered a lot of stories. We really have. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> this is called... <laughs> The Kentucky Meat Shower.
0: (laughs) Oh no. Gross. Disgusting. Disgusting. I feel like any explanation for that name is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, yeah. Who wants a shower of meat? Not me. Not me. That's two of us.
0: (laughs) Two out of two. How about about you,
1: listener? into something kind of weird um oh my gosh all right are we we're ready i'm ready okay here we go Mm -hmm. between the morning hours of 11 and 12 o'clock for a period of several minutes on march 3rd 1876 oh gosh mrs crouch a farmer's (laughs) wife
0: (laughs) mrs crouch what a story already (laughs) i'm just enamored i love it um mrs crouch a farmer's wife
1: was making soap on her porch when she reported seeing meat pieces fall from the sky oh my god just minding her business making her soap making soap trying Uh. to to make the world a
0: cleaner place and then meat (laughs) starts Falling. Oh god, can you imagine if it got in the soap?
1: <laughs> I can I can imagine it and I don't like it.
0: <laughs> um
1: she said she was 40 steps from her house, which is very specific. Wow, yeah. When the meat started to slap the ground. <laughs> oh my god. Uh the meat, which looked like beef. <laughs> It fell all around her. The sky was perfectly clear at the time, and she said it felt like large snowflakes.
0: Uh, uh,
1: What? (laughs) (laughs) The meat. The meat. Felt
0: like large
1: snowflakes. Yeah. Which makes me think it touched her. Yeah. um, Which is horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... As Scientific American, a magazine at the time, reported in their 1876 issue, on Friday, March 3rd, 1876, flakes of meat fell over an area 100 yards long and 50 yards wide near the Kentucky home of Mr. and Mrs. Allen Crouch, not far from the Olympian Springs in the southern Bath County. The sky at the time was cloudless. The flakes were from one to three or four inches square
0: oh which is that's, that's large big how is that how does that feel like snow well, it feels like the woman. biggest snowflakes i've ever yeah, felt oh my god i love how they keep talking about how it's a cloudless sky as mm. though like like where the- <laughs> that matters <laughs> well, they're
1: like it's, in, it's not even rain a normal rain <laughs> Where is this coming from? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so they're one one to three or four inches square and looked like fresh beef. Fresh beef? Fresh. Oh. However, according to the opinion of two gentlemen who tasted it... Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. The substance was either mutton or venison. Sick. (laughs) I don't even know what mutton is. To this day, I don't know what it is. Is <laughs> you, you it goat? Still don't want to know. Um, I think it's sheep. Oh,
0: yuck. Yeah. Oh, yuck. <laughs> those are, I feel like those are two types of meat I'm not interested in tasting. I. But first agree. of all, what kind of lunatic <laughs> would pick up a piece of meat that fell from the sky? Yeah, mystery. And meat. then eat it. Two of them. Yeah.
1: Right, well, two of them did it. Well, I mean, if one of them does it, I'm sure they were trying to one up each other. Like, well, if I'll, I'll eat
0: the, I'll eat the meat if you eat the meat. Well, Yeah, one of them's probably like, that can't possibly taste like mutton. <laughs> I think it tastes like venison. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, God, they're fighting. Mm-hmm. They're fighting over it. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> so back at the Crouch residence, a Mister Harrison Gill, whose mm-hmm. veracity was described by the new york times as unquestionable <laughs> wow he's trustworthy guys he's wow, trustworthy oh
0: the times the, the
1: times even i know this is like widely like everybody was talking about it at the time well
0: i mean fair enough yeah. I, I would too yeah right we're talking about it now <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true it's, it's still this it's resounding it's, it's all over the world it's so important Um, Mr. Harrison Gill, he visited the day after the alleged flesh (laughs) fell and and noted the presence of meat sticking out of the fences and scattered across the ground. At least one of the hunks. (laughs) (laughs) I was just picturing, like, Fabio. (laughs) One of those hunks. Like a male hunk. (laughs) Um. Okay. At least one of the hunks. <laughs> it got me again. <laughs> okay. Uh At least one of the hunks. <laughs> Measure. <laughs> Maybe say chunks. <laughs> I'll say <see the> chunks. <laughs> That'll be better. Okay. Uh, at least one of the chunks. <laughs> 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 no, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Joe. I call you a chunk. Okay. Um <laughs> at least one of the hunks Ooh. measured four inches squared. Uh but most were about two inches by two inches. That's still very large. Uh, yeah, those like, are way too large. Those like too big even for one bite. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they they apparently uh, They were apparently fresh when they fell, but having been left out all night, they were now dry and spoiled. <gasps> oh, Just did those guys
0: eat that, eat it again?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably yes. It's I don't jerky know. now. There's a lot of a lot of people eat these things, oh, and God. it's really gross. Okay, <laughs> um, so those. Those two nasty little tasters were not the only ones to throw their ideas out there. B.F. Ellington, mm. a local hunter, identified it as bear meat. Now, does that mean that he ate it? I'm going to how say did yes. He, how,
0: did he, how did he know <laughs> I, he, what bear I meat feel, tasted like? Was he's a, a local mean, hunter. Was that a thing that people ate, though?
1: I mean, a local hunter in Kentucky? I feel mm, yeah. like he's eaten everything. Yeah.
0: I don't know shit about hunting. Um, Same, like now or back in the day. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I feel like maybe they wouldn't now, but I don't know. They did it in yellow jackets. Yeah, but that was a very different. That wasn't hunting. That was a survival. Survival. Yeah. So the first, the first
1: explanation came three months later. When someone called Leopold Brandes, uh <laughs> received and analyzed some of the specimens that had been preserved in glycerin, he <laughs> announced that the meat was not actually meat at all. What? As reported in Scientific American that year, which is, I think this is now the second time that Scientific American has yeah. <laughs> described it, yeah. which is fantastic, uh-huh. um... They say, uh, at least we have a proper explanation of this much-talked-of phenomena. It has been comparatively easy to identify the substance and to fix its status. The Kentucky Wonder is no more or less than Gnostic. What the hell is that? That's, that I literally wrote, what the hell is Gnostic? That's <laughs> <laughs> the next line. <laughs> We're so insane. Get <laughs> out of my head. <laughs> Uh, okay so it's a type of uh cyanobacteria that forms colonies surrounded by a pr- protective gelatinous envelope. <laughs> so Gnostic is known to swell up into a translucent jelly-like mass whenever it rains. So it's kind of a dry thing. But where does big.
0: it where does it come from? Mm <laughs> it wasn't Okay, Nature?
1: no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I feel like it's probably like a fungusy kind of thing where like maybe like little little bits little spores and then they like
0: yeah but it wasn't raining oh shit you got it
1: Ooh. we'll talk about it. we'll talk about that later I love it I'm smarter than the scientists logic um Uh, what the uh, okay uh because it's so inconspicuous when dry for many years people believed that gnostic would float on the breeze until it rained which caused it to fall from the sky like hail oh my god colorful colorful nicknames oh god (laughs) such as star jelly witch's butter (laughs) and star slubber star slubber slubber. what the hell
0: and is slubber I feel like that's not a word No. Um, oh my god star jelly is too cute of a name for what that is for this gelatinous which is, envelope which is butter <laughs> it's, it's, it's too dirty of a it, name it's super creepy
1: yeah. yeah cause either they're eating it or they're making it and I don't right. wanna I don't know
0: yeah, yeah. what are they and making star it slubber where's the star, star coming from because it's falling from the sky, uh, I guess, okay. I would assume. Okay. But what the Again, what is slubber? <laughs> again,
1: what the hell? <laughs> um, <laughs> those, those names were thrown around. Oh, man. Uh, Brandis identified the Kentucky Gnostic as belonging to a species called Gnostic Cranium, which he described as flesh colored. But if you literally Google it, I know that at the time they did not have Google. But if you Google it, you see that it is not flesh-colored at all. It is like seaweed, like a green sort of seaweed. All right. He goes on to say, and this this perfectly fits up with uh, the scientific research that people have been doing with this meat so far. Uh But he goes on to say that it tastes like frog or spring chicken legs. Okay. (laughs) Uh There's...
0: (laughs) tasting everything everybody's just eating things what animal doesn't this stuff taste like really <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, uh and
1: it had ballooned and fallen upon the crouch residence when it rained this all sounds very plausible except that it had not rained that day ding 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 yeah. there you go yeah so but brandice the fool <laughs> <laughs> Uh, d- d- didn't thank you, thank you. I wrote, I wrote that. Um, but- but <laughs> but he's the fool. I was just. <laughs>
0: I wasn't expecting it, but also like your delivery of it was so fucking good.
1: Thank you. The
0: fool, the fool.
1: So he didn't play a completely useless role in the investigation, really, <laughs> because. He had given a couple of mystery meat samples (laughs) to experienced uh, histologist and president of the Newark Scientific Association, Dr. A. Mead Edwards, who said it was likely the lung tissue of a human infant or a horse you could not have chosen two more different things <laughs> so this is what he said he says quote the structure of the organ in these two cases being almost identical what which feels unbelievable
0: that to can't me. possibly be true
1: so not even like human lo- like grown-up human lung it's specifically infant, infant lung.
0: Yeah. who who did this study first of (laughs) all where are his sources
1: and think about how small a human infant lungs are right and how huge the lungs of a horse are like
0: and how they would be the same they need the lungs of a baby are underdeveloped and they don't need to be um as strong as a horse who like runs around all the time right that's literally all they do (laughs) Jesus Christ. In my head, I'm always like, the 1800s were a time of science. (laughs) But I don't think that's true anymore. (laughs) I mean, I think it was a time
1: of like, trying weird things and writing it down for the first time. Yeah. But
0: science, I guess not. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess science is experimenting and... Guessing and yeah. you know, trying to prove your hypothesis, <laughs> which is a word I learned in school. Love it. Um, by eating the meat that falls from the sky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> horrible, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> um, oh my God. all right, here we go. Um, another histologist, Dr. J.W.S. Arnold, Jesus. studied the specimens and agreed. Uh, concluding in the American Journal of Microscopy and Popular Science that they consisted of some kind of animal cartilage and lung tissue. So eventually, seven samples were examined by several scientists who confirmed two to be lung tissue, three to be muscular tissue, two were said to be made of cartilage. Mm, Wild. That's gross. So (laughs) we
0: we, we almost have a full animal here. (laughs) Where did it come from (laughs) Can you imagine eating some of that And being like oh it's okay it was just mutton I eat mutton all the time Mm -hmm. And then uh, reading in Scientific America later The next month that um, Oh actually it was um, Lung tissue It was the lung of an infant (laughs) (laughs) God and suddenly you're the town pariah
1: (laughs) Cannibal and pariah (laughs) Um, <laughs> Tough, tough. Uh, so how did these meat pieces fly? This, yeah. <laughs> this is the most important part. Yeah. Okay, so the t- Scientific American article skeptically passed along one possible explanation. As a postscript of the story, Dr. Edwards relayed a theory of the event passed on to him by Mr. Parker. According to the local people of Kentucky, the meat was probably disgorged by buzzards. <gasps> vultures <laughs> the vultures oh my god that's right okay shut <laughs> so, up probably disgorged by buzzards who and this is a quote this is directly from the uh-huh. article, who as is their custom <gasps> seeing one of their companions disgorge himself immediately followed
0: suit <laughs> so <laughs> Wait. <laughs> are you telling me mm-hmm. that vultures are just out there flying around uh-huh. over every highway I've ever been on <laughs> uh throwing up? Sometimes. Oh my god. And if one of their friends starts to throw up, they, all they do throw up. Oh my god.
1: Which is a very human thing. That is a very uh, human I, thing. I understand mm-hmm. it. Uh ridiculous. Oh
0: my god.
1: Yeah. So as to how many buzzards would be required to cover 5000 square yards with this with this <laughs> gorged meat or at what height they must have been flying to be invisible
0: was not suggested
1: although the height thing yeah i mean there's I mean,
0: there have been plenty of times just a couple months ago when we were looking for birds and you would point out a bird <laughs> and i would be like where <laughs> And it's like open sky and, and you're like the bird right there. And I'm like, I don't see it.
1: So like, I get that. So we don't have to, we
0: won't judge Mrs. Crouch. Oh, certainly that, not. For sure no, not. No, she probably got some soap in her eyes. Oh no, soap gets in
1: your eyes. <laughs> it's in your eyes all right uh so dr <laughs> here we go again with the names dr ld castenbein wow who wrote in an 1876 edition of the louisville medical news that the vulture idea was probably the best guess on how this meat flew having obtained a sample of his own cast in by him set fire to it what? <laughs> and observed that it smelt distinctly of rancid mutton sick back to mutton how does <laughs> how does he know what that smells like right, a rancid mutton <laughs> <Right>? gross <laughs> um the only plausible theory uh, uh, okay oh my god i forgot okay <gasps> so he speaks in the most old timey fashion yes uh, get ready for this yeah The only plausible theory explanatory of this anomalous shower (laughs) appears to me (laughs) to be that suggested by the old Ohio farmer. The disgorgement of some vultures that were sailing over the spot from their immense height. The particles were scattered by the prevailing wind over the ground. He wrote, the variety of tissue discovered, muscular, connective, fatty, structureless, Mm. etc., Uh, can be explained only by this theory. So there are two species of vulture found in Kentucky, the black vulture and the turkey vulture, Hmm. both of which are known to projectile vomit their stomach contents away (laughs) Uh, as either a defense mechanism or to make themselves light enough for flight. So if they eat too much food... Um Fair. Okay. E- even with these theories <laughs> even with these fantastic believable theories <laughs> Mrs. Crouch and her husband believed the event signified a sign from God. Oh, yeah, of
0: course. Yeah. That's the, the Kentucky. Yeah. Middle of Kentucky. And time. also just like 1870 right, generally. That time period. Yeah. yeah. No, if you didn't go to church you were
1: a witch. So. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense.
0: Oh God! All right, oh, there you go. My God, uh, isn't that fun? Yes. Yeah, I love vultures so much, and this <laughs> just made me love them more, <laughs> which I never thought was possible.
1: Yeah, right. They like empathize with each other. Yeah. They like. Do you think <laughs> it's... sympathy
0: vomit? Do you think it's that, or like when when you hear someone retching, or like. And and then suddenly, like you start kind of retching. Mm. Do you think it's mm-hmm. just like a horrible circle of, of vomiting? <laughs> That's kind of cute. Like it's horrible. It's very it's relatable.
1: Oh, it's super relatable. Yeah. It could also be that one um, starts stirring up, and then the other one's like, "Oh God, did we just eat something bad, man?" Right. Yeah. And then he's like, Ooh, "Gotta get, gotta get that out." But yeah. I like yours better because it's cuter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. Aww. Oh my gosh, that is so great. I love it. Wow. Vultures. These
1: explanations are quiet. Uh. <laughs>
0: the number of people who ate of the meat just blows my mind. Yeah. And who and they were all so confident being like yes. It is this specific kind of meat. Um, mm-hmm. I just can't understand that. I don't get it. Same, same. I would never. Couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't
1: be me either.
0: <laughs> so, I am talking today about the Diatlov Pass. Mm. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh huh. <laughs>
1: You've heard of that, right? Every day of my life. <laughs> only. Only every day. You have a Love Pass tattoo, I think. On my butt. <laughs> my left butt. My left butt? Cheek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This is going to feel start. disrespectful real soon. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> So in the dead of winter in 1959, a Ooh. group of 10 Russian adventurers, mostly students, mm-hmm. all experienced winter campers and cross-country skiers set out on what was supposed to be a 16-day cross-country trek in the Urals. Those are the north-south mountain, north-to-south north mountain range that divides western Russia from Siberia. <gasps> I feel like it's setting it up for it's
1: going to be longer than 16 days, uh-huh. uh, or they're all going to die, and I'm very excited to see which one it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. Ooh! <laughs> so this journey was planned by Igor Dyatlov and sponsored by the Ural Polytechnic Institute, where Igor was an engineering student. Hmm, okay. He hoped that this adventure would exemplify the boldness and vigor of a new Soviet generation.
1: Okay, that sounds like propaganda, right. <laughs> but cool, cool, cool. Sure, whatever. I mean, that is kind of like every single university's sort of thing, yeah. though. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. We are the next generation. We're we are teaching the next generation mm-hmm. of leaders. Mm-hmm. I bet he just wanted to hang out with his friends, and then <laughs> they <laughs> they needed funding. Yeah. <laughs> So Dyatlov's itinerary lay 350 miles north of Sverdlovsk. (laughs) Oh, Sverdlovsk. (laughs) Sverdlovsk. Um, That one's on my right. (laughs) (laughs) My right cheek. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Okay. and this is in the traditional territory of the Manzi, uh, which is an indigenous people. Oh, cool. Yeah. Dyatlov's group would ski 200 miles on a route that no Russian, as far as anyone knew, had taken before. <sighs> Doesn't that sound awful? Yeah, it does. I am immediately like, fuck that. No. There's a reason why no one has done it before. Right. But also just generally, even, even if a million people had taken this route. 200 miles in the snow? <laughs> no. In the mountains? No, please. For 16 days
1: willingly, like That's not a lot of miles per day yeah. in the snow? Uh-huh. Yikes,
0: yeah. It's a shit ton. <laughs> <laughs> Scientific. <laughs> um The mountains were gentle and rounded, yeah. their barren slopes rising from a vast boreal forest of birch and fir. That sounds adorable. Right? The challenge wouldn't be rugged terrain, but brutally cold temperatures, Mm. deep snow, and high winds. Mm. Again, I can't even stand walking down the street (laughs) when it's too cold. Walking to my car? No thank you. (laughs) Dyatlov recruited eight of his classmates. Uh, Zina Kol... I'm going to have a hard time with these names, so just bear with me. Mm -hmm. Zina Komlogrova... Georgie, That's, can't, that can't be right. How do they say it? Georgie? How is it spelled? G E O R G Y. <sighs> but Like Russian. I don't know. Georgie? Y- Georgie? Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you wearing to the BDS of Georgie?
0: <laughs> oh, shit. <sighs> I don't know. Okay, Georgie <laughs> Krivanashenko. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did write out like how to pronounce these names, but it's just mm-hmm. it's my so tongue. My tongue does not work. <laughs> Roostern, R- 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 Slobodin, Nikolai Tibo Brino, Tibo <laughs> Brino, Yuri Yudin, <laughs> Yuri Duroshenko and Alexander Kul- Kulavatov. 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 Wild. Wow. so it's men and women? Mm-hmm. Nice. The youngest of the group at 20 was Luda Dibenina. Luda? Luda. On a previous wilderness outing, Dibenina had had been accidentally shot by a hunter and survived. Oh my gosh! Quite cheerfully, apparently. <sighs> um, and then she went on a 50-mile journey back to civilization and what? was fine and excited to go on this trip. With a gun... With a gunshot? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yeah. All right. No, I these these people are tough. Yeah. I mean, okay. they are Russian, <laughs> Soviet Russian. Mm-hmm. So a couple days before the group was due to set off, the UPI administration unexpectedly added a new member, much older than the others and largely unknown to them. Huh. His name was Semyon Zolo Teri whatever. <laughs> Um, it'll, it'll do (laughs) a 37 year old veteran of the second world war with an old fashioned mustache, stainless steel crowns on his teeth and tattoos. Doesn't he sound all, he sounds hot, right? (laughs) I immediately was like, Oh my God.
1: (laughs) But he also sounds mysterious in a bad way
0: yes yeah it mm-hmm. could go either way it really could go mm-hmm. either way like yeah. he could be your daddy or he could be your killer <laughs> <laughs> there's no in between
1: <laughs> so earlier sorry no it's okay earlier i said um i was like talking about something at work and we were like it's like dad and i I meant to say, like something like dad ish mm-hmm. but i was like yeah it's kind of daddy <laughs> and then my the coworker was like yeah daddy and we were like <laughs> laughing and it was fantastic i don't remember why that would have come up but it was very
0: fun i love it anyway sorry uh so the party left spared by train on january 23rd several of them hid under seats to avoid buying tickets nice they kept journals of their journey uh writing of things common to young people like following in love <gasps> Kissing uh, movies, their friendships, their families, and their homes. That's cute. Yeah. One of them wrote a letter to their parents and asked if the cow had given given birth yet.
1: Uh, <laughs> right. This is so I know. It it's innocent the most and tragic. Sweet
0: group of people you could imagine oh no what's gonna happen by all accounts the group got along beautifully even though two of them had previously dated nice yeah drama there's a little bit of drama but i don't think a lot Mm -hmm. after two days on trains the party reached ivdel a remote town with a stalin era prison camp that by then held mostly criminals yikes (laughs) mostly criminals (laughs) (laughs) I mean, probably some political prisoners and stuff, too Okay, alright I'm
1: like, if they're not criminals, why are they in there? But okay That's true for any prison Uh, That's okay You're right, you're right Mm -hmm. When you're right, you're right
0: (laughs) (laughs) From there, the group traveled another day by bus And then in the back of a woodcutter's truck And finally by ski guided by a horse-drawn sleigh Uh. Right? They slept in an abandoned logging camp called Second Northern There, Yuri Yudin had a flare-up of sciatica. Oh, no. Isn't that sad? Uh, Do you know what that is? Isn't it like a back thing? Like a spinal? Yeah, like it's along the path of the sciatic nerve, which Mm. branches from your lower back through your hips and buttocks. No. And down each leg. Yuri, not your butt. Yeah. Mm. That's not what you want to happen when you're about to go hiking for 200 miles. Right. So, the next day, which was January 28th, he turned back, while the remaining nine set off towards the mountain. Interesting. The plan was to end up at the tiny village of Vishai around February 12th and telegram the UPI Sports Club that they had arrived safely. The expected telegram never came. No! On February 25th, the students who had joined the search for the missing hikers found ski tracks, and the next day they discovered the skier's tent above the tree line on a remote mountain that Soviet officials referred to as Height 1079, and that the Monzi called Kolat-Shiakal, or Dead Mountain. Oh, no. <laughs> they found their tent? Yeah, above the tree line. And no one was inside the no tent. No people, only yeah. tent. Oh, <laughs> my God. No people, just tent. <laughs> <laughs> the tent was partially collapsed and buried in snow. mm After digging it out, the search party saw that the tent appeared to have been deliberately slashed in several places. No! Yet inside, everything was neat and orderly. The skiers' boots, axes, and other equipment were arranged on either side of the door. Yikes! Wait, so they're boots? Mm Mm-hmm. But they need to wear those. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh.
1: This is not looking good Uh for our little
0: Russian friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Food was laid out as if to be eaten, and there was a stack of wood for heating a stove and clothes, cameras, and journals. So like, Mm. all of their stuff. Yeah. About 100 feet downhill, the search party found very distinct footprints of eight or nine people walking, not running, toward the tree line. Almost all the prints were of stockinged feet. Some were even bare. Mm-hmm. One person appeared to be wearing a single ski boot. The party followed the prince downhill for six to seven hundred yards until they vanished near the tree line. (gasps) What? (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yikes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yipes. Yipes! (laughs) The next morning, searchers found the bodies of Krivonishenko... And Doroshenko under a tall cedar tree at the edge of the forest. Oh no. They were lying next to a dead fire wearing only underwear. What? Twelve to fifteen feet up the tree were some recently broken branches, and on the trunk bits of skin and <gasps> torn clothes were found. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. they were trying to get trying to find their way back, maybe?
1: Maybe oh, yeah. Guys, oh no. Mm-hmm.
0: Later that day a search party discovered the bodies of Dyatlov and Kolmogorova. Both were, th- both were farther up the slope, facing in the direction of the tent, their fists tightly clenched. Mm. They seemed to have been trying to get back there. The four bodies were autopsied, um, while the search for others continued. The medical examiner found that Krivonishenko had blackened fingers and third-degree burns on a shin and a foot. What? Mm-hmm. Wait, blackened fingers, like, cold, from too cold? Frostbite?
1: Or Yeah from like a bird burn- well, so he's burned but also frozen
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is weird this, is, this weird. is real weird this is real weird huh inside his mouth was a chunk of flesh <gasps> that he had bitten off his right hand oh my what Jeez. yeah <laughs> self cannibalism Mm-hmm. maybe maybe I mean, yeah, when I read that, I assumed it was a chunk of flesh from his cheek yeah. or something. Apparently. But no, it's from his hand.
1: Oh, <gasps> yeah.
0: yikes. Mm-hmm. Um, Doroshenko's body had burned hair on one side of the head and a charred sock. What? All of the bodies were covered with bruises, abrasions, scratches, and cuts, as was the body of Slobodin, which was discovered a few days later. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like Dyatlov and Kolmogorova, Slobodin was on the slope leading back to the tent, with a sock on one foot and a felt booty on the other. His autopsy noted a minor fracture to his skull. What? What is
1: going on? Some of them are
0: like burned mm-hmm. from what? Mm-hmm. How? Isn't it so upsetting? It is really upsetting. I'm really sorry. Yours was so fun and (laughs) mine was so sad. This is stressful. (laughs) By now, a homicide investigation was underway, led by a prosecutor in his mid-30s named Lev Ivanov. The tent and its contents were helicoptered out of the mountains and set up again inside a police station. Mm. This led to a key discovery. (gasps) A seamstress, who came to the station to do a uniform fitting, happened to notice that the slashes in the tent had been made from the inside. Ooh.
1: Ooh, I love that. Isn't that a fun little twist? I love someone who just knows what they're doing so well. Yeah. So that
0: they can, like, pop in and be like, actually. Oh, by the way. Yeah. yeah I, I just looked at this tent and, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, don't know her name, though. Oh. <laughs> So something had happened that induced the skiers to cut their way out of the tent and flee into the night into a howling blizzard in 20 below zero temperatures in bare feet or socks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Four bodies remained missing at this point, Mm. which is wild. Yeah. There wasn't
1: a fire in it, right? No, because everything in the tent was perfectly fine. Yeah, everything in the tent was just set up as normal. Okay, Mm because some of them had, like, fire stuff, so, Mm -hmm. like, it was, like, maybe but no. Mm-mm. Hmm. Okay. All right. That's a good guess though. I want to solve this. I know it's <laughs> <that's laughs> probably <laughs> impossible, but I want to solve it.
0: <laughs> um, okay. Well, I do have lots of theories about what happened. Sweet. So, um, I mean, not my personal theories, but <laughs> so, um, we'll have to, f- to talk about what you think is the truth. Cool. Four bodies remained missing In early May, when the snow began to melt, a Monzi hunter and his dog came across the remains of a makeshift snow den in the woods 250 feet from the cedar tree. A floor of branches laid in a deep hole in the snow. Pieces of tattered clothing were found strewn about, black cotton sweatpants with the right leg cut off, the left half of a woman's sweater. Another search team arrived and using avalanche probes. Around uh, around the den. They brought up a piece of flesh. (gasps) What? Right. Just a random piece? Mm -hmm. Mm. Maybe it was vultures.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Mm -hmm. That'd be cute.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Excavation uncovered the four remaining victims lying together in a rocky stream bed under at least 10 feet of snow. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Oh, no. The autopsies revealed catastrophic injuries to three of them. Uh, Thibaut Brinoli. Brinolisis. I didn't write the how to pronounce the names after the first time, <laughs> oh, so <no. laughs> um, we're just going to have to work with it. Um, his skull was fractured so severely that pieces of bone had been driven into his brain. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Zolotaryov and Dubinina had crushed chests with multiple broken ribs, and the autopsy report noted a massive hemorrhage in the right ventricle of Dumanina's heart. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. The medical examiner said that the damage was similar to what is typically seen um, as the result of an impact of an automobile moving at a high speed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's... (sighs) What? (laughs) Right okay mm-hmm. <laughs> okay next i can see your gears turning oh they're they're going they're working real hard solitario's body was missing its eyes <gasps> what dubenina's body was missing its eyes tongue and part of the upper lip oh my god uh-huh. i don't what yeah, you never like hearing that no yeah. <laughs> Um, A careful inventory of clothing recovered from the bodies revealed that some of these victims were wearing clothes taken or cut off the bodies of others. (gasps) And a laboratory found that several items emitted unnaturally high levels of radiation. What? Right? (laughs) Didn't expect that. Yeah. A radiological expert testified that because the bodies had been exposed to running water for months... These levels of radiation must originally have been many times greater. (laughs) I can't... Okay. There's just so much going on. There's so much going on. Yeah. It's so true. Mm -hmm. So these guys lived longer than the other people? Yes. The Um, people who were discovered first died before the other ones, and then the other ones, I guess, found each other mm -hmm. or ended up together somehow and... um, tried to survive on their own
1: and three out of the four had catastrophic
0: injuries Mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. The last one yeah okay on may 28th ivanov abruptly closed the investigation his Mm -hmm. the um homicide (laughs) yeah but what
1: (laughs) like it feels like they didn't come up with an answer but i mean i guess if they're all dead right
0: yeah right um, his role was to determine whether a crime had been committed, not to clarify what had happened. <laughs> and he concluded that homicide was not a factor. Ivanov ended his report with a non-explanation that has bedeviled <laughs> the outlaw researchers ever since. <laughs> bedeviled. Um, he said, quote, it should be concluded that the cause of the hiker's demise was an overwhelming force, which they were not able to overcome. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. No shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's kind of the end of the story. Okay. Um, But now I have some, how many? One, two, three, four hypotheses about what happened. Cool. cool. So the first one is called Fireballs in the Sky. I'm sorry. (laughs) What?
1: In my wildest dreams, I would not have come up with that. (laughs)
0: Oh, man, yeah, it's great. Um, Uh, So it was reported that eyewitnesses in the northern Urals... I hope I'm saying that right, because if I'm not, then I'm embarrassed. Um, They saw fast-moving balls of fire in the night sky around the time of the Dyatlov Pass incident. uh, It has been suggested that these were Soviet missile or rocket tests. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. But another few another theory (laughs) I've got a lot of theories (laughs) God okay another theory holds that the fireballs whatever they actually were um, exploded or emitted a beam of unspecified energy. It <laughs> okay. directly caused the scares' death, huh?
1: I'm okay, right? So I'm like, no, but I'm also like, maybe. maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because the fire, because some of them had fire, they had burns, mm-hmm. and then some of them had radioactive stuff yeah so like a man-made but you'd think that there would be wreckage well like because the snow is so deep that they would have right. to check all of that space because mm-hmm. they were what 10 feet under the ground mm-hmm. and um, they didn't get found they
0: didn't get found immediately yeah so yeah, true yeah interesting okay um so that theory <laughs> was proposed 31 years after the fact wow which is weird <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it was proposed by none other than Lev Ivanov himself. Interesting. He's back. He's better. <laughs> Ivanov's fireball... I almost said fury again. I don't know what's wrong with me. Ivanov's fireball theory presupposes that the reported sightings match up with the actual date of the incident, um, the 2nd of February, Mm-hmm. An assumption that has been challenged by another author, Russian mountaineer Evgeny Buyanov, <laughs> um, who says he found no verifiable reports or of unidentified flying objects in the Urals on those dates. Okay, huh. so it sounds like uh, Ivanov is just pulling this out of his ass. Um, I would too. I mean, I'm stumped. Yeah. Did you ever
1: watch? Yeah, the staircase. So it's like about that man who oh, yes, I maybe did. Yeah. killed Push his wife killed his wife mm-hmm. but it seems like probably yes mm-hmm. um but one of the theories was like an owl flew into yeah. the house oh my god and like spook like and then she kept falling and oh. hitting her head over and over which is not funny. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, not funny.
0: It's not funny at all. But the theory is funny. Yeah. And picturing someone falling down the stairs and not being able to stop is kind of funny. Is Yeah. I like, because uh, I'm when people fall, it, I find it funny. I, as long as they're okay. And I, this in particular, I'm picturing as a cartoon. Yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like you an know? owl coming <laughs> in and attacking someone. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: gosh. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Um. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm -mm. so before Ivanov's 1990 article came out, the predominant explanations for the Dyatlov deaths focused on straightforward natural causes, either avalanche or animal attack, for example. Mm hmm or secret government activities, such as a military or KGB operation, the skiers unknowingly stumbled upon. Ooh. I mean, yeah, if people don't usually go through there, yeah, that's a good place to put your secret organization. Right. Hmm. Despite the declassification and release of the case files in the intervening years, the contents of which were eventually published online, hmm. the original documents did little to resolve lingering quandaries. Of course not. And in fact, only seemed to prompt further outlandish speculation. Beautiful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which, I want to hear it all. Which brings us
0: to our next yes, theory. That's number three. Number three. <laughs> <laughs> This is the second. Oh, number two, number. I guess two. Fireball okay. one
1: had two kind of. Yeah, like, within it was the like same. Fireball and KGB. I guess that yeah. makes sense. if they yeah. would all be together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yes.
0: Um. So the second one is called the Yeti hypothesis. Love <laughs> it. Um. I believe this one already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you might not. actually no, because
1: <laughs> he wouldn't do that. No, I, I mean yeah, Yeti, because uh, you. Ye- Y- you know my th- like yeti there's one yeti yeah bigfoot there's many big feet right um so interesting okay i'm
0: i'm <laughs> i'm interested so um the most outlandish hypothesis to date was that proposed in a June 2014 discovery channel documentary <laughs> <laughs> love the I air did quotes air quotes <laughs> there <laughs> if you couldn't hear that in my voice <laughs> called Russian Yeti, colon, The Killer Lives. (laughs) Love it. That sounds like pure fact to me. What slander? (laughs) Here's an excerpt from the show's promo. Following the trail of evidence, Mike Lebecki finds proof that the hikers were not alone. A photograph taken by one of the hikers a day before they died suggests that they encountered a Yeti. Yes! interesting mm-hmm. okay Lebecky goes on to say quote when I found out one of the students was missing a tongue immediately I knew this was not caused by an avalanche
1: well yeah oh, okay duh <laughs> I'd I I... say he thought immediately that it was a yeti he's like no tongue <laughs> that is That's a yeti's, yeti's favorite too. food
0: <laughs> but no okay <laughs> something ripped out the tongue of this woman sure that's something Lebecki naturally concluded <laughs> could only have been a Yeti. Okay, that's where I ju- <laughs> I,
1: ju- I differ from that opinion, <laughs> but sure.
0: As further evidence, he presented an alleged photo of the Yeti, supposedly found on one of the victim's cameras. Oh my god, do you have the photo? I sure do. Do you want to see yes, that? Yes, I do. What the hell? <gasps> He's like... And it's not just one of the people? Center-focused. Well, I mean, it could be. They don't know who it is. Okay. Because the person who took it is dead. (laughs) They can't ask. (laughs) Huh. Okay. Mm -mm -mm. Yet, no matter how many times one hears the out-of-focus figure described as a yeti or Hmm. a creature or something other than human, the fact is that it resembles nothing so much as an ordinary adult male human being. Yep. Which... I would agree. Same. Mm Yeah. And no matter how many times one repeats the claim that the only reasonable explanation for one of the Dyatlov bodies missing a tongue is that a Yeti pulled it out, (laughs) (laughs) it pales beside the straightforward hypothesis that her tongue was devoured by a scavenging animal Mm. or decomposed due to the constant contact with the stream of running water where the body was found. yuck. Oh, I didn't even think about that with the eyes. Yeah. Hmm. okay, and that's um that's always something that I think of immediately when I hear that something something weird is missing from a body that's been found mm-hmm. like there was there was a group of kids of like teenage kids who were accused of killing these little boys and mm-hmm. like um I don't know i can't god I can't remember the details but they it ended up being that turtles like ate some of them or something, you know, what? like it was just anytime like, and this was like during the satanic panic and mm. they thought that they were in a cult and you know, you know it's all of this course. stuff. Yeah. And anytime I hear that something is missing from a body, I'm like, it was probably a fucking animal. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what they always. do. Yes. And also like eyes and like like things like that are the first things to go right like you don't have Sounds eyes in flesh. your skull yeah it's always like yeah eyes are
1: literally water right yeah it's like eyes tongues buttholes <laughs> <laughs> that's i think what is it coyotes that's the first thing they go for with animals the butthole yeah
0: really yeah i didn't know that there's
1: like uh let me fi- let me find this. Learning something um... new
0: all the time
1: Animal that eats butt (laughs) hole first. Oh,
0: well, huh. Did you make this up?
1: Oh, it says vultures, actually. The first one that pops up. Uh, Fewer big cat. Okay. Uh, More butt first eating vultures. (laughs) (laughs) Why more and more vultures? (laughs) Is this a title? Title of this Washington Post article (laughs) from 2015: Why more and more vultures eat their prey butt first. (laughs) Uh, uh, Oh my god! Yeah, well, lions, tigers, wolves, and virtually every other carnivorous animal have a strong preference for the intestines. Hmm. So the first thing they go for is their butt to get to the intestines. Oh, interesting. Vultures tend to eat their meals butt first, and here's why, from HuffPost. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love it. I I
0: really didn't think that it was vultures. I love love that this has come full circle, though. Yeah. Okay, so... um, And now we're on to the third theory, Mm -hmm. which is... The infrasound hypothesis. Infras... Ins, inside... No, infrared? Infrared is, is what I the know. word I know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which, now that I say a lot, I'm like, what? What does it does mean? Does that mean? I don't know. Inside the red? <laughs> Infra-
0: like, infrared... Is it only
1: red (laughs) having a wavelength just greater than that of the red end of the visible light spectrum but less than that of microwaves oh uh oh it's emitted particularly by heated objects maybe that'll maybe that'll mean something Mm
0: -hmm. okay Okay. anyway (laughs) okay (laughs) um okay So, author Donnie Eicher proposed in his 2013 book, Dead Mountain, colon, the untold true story of the Diatlov Pass incident. Oh, love it. For example. (laughs) That the skiers may have been driven to hysteria by infrasound waves caused by a weather phenomenon known as the Carmon, Vortex Street... (laughs) The (laughs) Kármán Vortex Street? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Okay, huh? I don't... um, In (laughs) simplest terms, a Kármán Vortex Street is an oscillating pattern that emerges when a fluid or gas, in this instance, wind, flows around a suitably shaped object, in this instance, a topographical feature... The mountain. Okay. I'm with you. I'm Uh with you. Uh When they occur on such a large scale, these wind patterns can theoretically generate very low frequency sound waves Mm. that have been blamed for harmful physiological and psychological symptoms in human beings. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So it's a real thing. Wow. Yes. Yeah. It's not just some guy talking. (laughs) According to a 2001 review of the medical literature by the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, such symptoms range from annoyance to fatigue to nausea. Okay. That's not really (laughs) what's come up in this case. True. Um, Eicher agrees, I'm sorry, Eicher argues that just such a phenomenon may have occurred under extremely high wind conditions on the mountain the night of the incident. The resulting bombardment of the skiers by infrasound waves induced severe panic and caused them to flee the safety of their tent and meet their deaths. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sure. I, am yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I believe that, like, it, it makes sense to me, I guess, this theory, but I don't believe that it's correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because... You know, you need a theory where,
1: like, everybody could have the same sort of, like, issue at the exact same time. Right. To, like, run out. Right. With no shoes on Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: It's like mass hysteria. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Um, The fact is that acoustic scientists are far from sure that infrasound exposure causes even the mildest symptoms that have been attributed to it. Interesting. Much less extreme panic. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And the final one is the the big one, (laughs) um, the avalanche hypothesis. Okay, I was waiting for that. Uh huh. Yeah. This is, I think, the most likely scenario in my opinion. Um, But you you think for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) One thing we do know induces panic in people. On a snow-covered mountainside is an avalanche. Sure. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I can't imagine. No. (laughs) And while the number of skiers and hikers known to have been killed by infrasound waves to date is zero... (laughs) (laughs) Sassy. (laughs) Avalanches are known to kill approximately 150... Skiers, snowmobilers, and snowboarders worldwide every year, according okay. to National Geographic. Sure. So what's another nine, seven, eight? How many people were there? <laughs> oh no! Uh, they started out with ten and ended up with nine because oh, okay. the one caught got uh, sciatica. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. It had so to nine. Leave. Okay. I yeah. feel good. Yeah. Good. Good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Moreover, the crushing weight of the four meters of snow under which the last four bodies in the Diatlov group were found, possibly deposited there by an avalanche, mm. could account for their internal injuries. Okay. So like four meters of snow on your body would be enough pressure to S- be similar to you. yeah, be similar to a um a car hitting you at an extremely fast speed. Ugh, I hate that. Yeah. According to meteorological data compiled by Evgeny Buyanov, temperatures in the vicinity of the Skiers campsite uh, dropped precipitously from minus 11 degrees Celsius to as low as minus 25 degrees Celsius Hmm. on the night of February 1st. Wind speeds are estimated to have reached between 8 and 16 meters per second. Oh, my God. Gosh. With gusts likely even higher. Woof. Yeah. Without adequate protection, frostbite, hypothermia, and death are virtually guaranteed under such conditions. Oh my God. And within a very short period of time. Wow. Autopsy reports say the proximate cause of death of all but one of the Diatlov victims, even those who suffered internal trauma, was hypothermia. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did an avalanche occur? We don't know, mm-hmm. but one could have and could account for some unexplained aspects of the incident, including why the skiers fled their tent and why some sustained the kind of injuries that they did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which, and that would also, like, that would include someone cutting the tent open from the inside. That would include them abandoning everything. Mm-hmm. Abandoning everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow (laughs) um and then like they could have i don't know rolled over a fire you know and gotten burns or you know yeah interesting yeah that one seems most likely Mm -hmm. it's not the the
1: most fun no, option. I mean, one of them was, like, giant fireballs from the skies. so...
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeti, the other like, three okay. were very interesting yeah. and weird. Uh-huh. This one is just, just like, like, the most... Yeah. The most likely... Yeah, statistically possible. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, the avalanche, I guess, doesn't really explain everything. Um, like, the radio- radioactivity found on some of the bodies. Mm-hmm. Um. But neither do any of the other hypotheses presented like the yeti so in january 2021 the avalanche hypothesis garnered significant scientific support via a study that used computer modeling to simulate the effects of a particular kind of snow slide event called a delayed slab avalanche oh so not a regular avalanche (laughs) (laughs) the research demonstrated that a small but deadly (laughs) silent but deadly <laughs> oh no a small but deadly avalanche could have occurred despite the absence of certain conditions that normally precede such an event mm. and even explained how the victims could have sustained some of the more strange atypical injuries that were found okay so that's it wow isn't that a horrible journey it is it is it's also like, well, I guess we'll never know, you know? Like, Yeah, it's, there's uh, no way to know for sure. I yeah. mean, most people agree that it was the avalanche. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's one of those things. Like, the bodies, in this case, don't definitively say what happened. You can't, you know, if no one else was there, who knows if there was an avalanche? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And,
1: like, each body... Tells a different story, you yeah. know? Which makes it impossible to mm-hmm. to know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, weird. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like it. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. All right. So um, do you guys want to guess our theme? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I
0: waiting for an answer from tick-tock, someone. Tick, tick, <laughs> Um It is... Unsolved Mysteries.
1: Ooh, mysteries that were
0: unsolved. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like, yeah,
1: those are both cool stories. Yeah. And they're not like spooky. No. In the same way that our stories normally are.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. the, mine is very upsetting. Um, <laughs> and it it is a little spooky, I guess, just mm. thinking about. Being in those conditions and experiencing Ooh. that. Yeah. And, um, that poor, the poor one who got sciatica and mm. left. Oh, <laughs> like my I, gosh. I can't imagine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I feel horrible. Yikes. But that uh, confirms that I will never, ever, ever do something like that.
1: <laughs> you won't go on a multiple day no. ski hike? No. Through the Urals? <laughs> You're missing out, man. You could die unexplainedly.
0: <laughs> oh, God. oh, man. I'd rather be rained on by vulture vomit, to be honest. <laughs> Same, I think. Same. I, I think everyone. Yeah. Well, maybe not everyone, but.
1: It'd be cool to be um, a part of it so that you you would
0: know, but then you would be dead. Yeah, but then you would. Yeah. So you couldn't share it with anyone. Yeah. There's mm. Since I was a little kid, my hope for any kind of afterlife <laughs> is that I would learn all of the mysteries. Nice. You know, like I'm like, okay, I'm dead now. So what actually happened here? Yeah. Who was Jack the Ripper? <laughs> Who? <laughs> there's just so many things that I'm like, we will never know. Yeah. It's been too long. We will never know mm. so many of these things. But yeah. I hope after I die, I get to find out. Nice. What happened to the D at Love Pass? Yeah. And what? they're just going to be like, avalanche. And you'll be like oh, like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, it wasn't the Yeti? And they'd be like, mm, no. <laughs> no.
0: Disappointing. Sorry. A little. But not disappointing. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Yeti would do that. No, I don't think so either. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. And why would it take not to debunk this um, <laughs> hypothesis, but, like, why would it take just the tongue and not mm. like like it's not like they were missing limbs or like huge chunks of their body mm. there weren't like bite marks right the one person who had a chunk of his flesh mi- missing it was in his own mouth Ugh. so it was accounted for Ugh, i forgot about that already I don't, yeah yep. isn't, isn't that gnarly yeah so yeah
1: anyway cool um, so unexplained mysteries or unexplained stories etc uh, etc et uh-huh um, so we're always looking for inspiration for our themes. Mm-hmm. So send us your one to two word <laughs> theme ideas. So some examples from previous episodes are <laughs> stink, <laughs> hair, and alien abductions. Mm-hmm. Um, so email us your ideas at ghoulgals at or find us on social media. And don't
0: forget, you can help keep the night lights on mm, by supporting cute. us through Patreon. Yeah. The link is in the episode description. Love it. Okay. All right. We did
1: it. We did it. <laughs> so this is where we say, "See you later, girls and boys." Bye. Bye.
0: Back to the sad story.